Welcome to the Victory Life Church Podcast. We believe it's important to present an uncomplicated and uncluttered view of Christ and how we should live. We hope this podcast inspires you and helps build your faith. If you ever find yourself in the area, come check us out. For more information on services and events, visit us at vlcministries.com and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at VLC Plantation. Psalms 19, so if you have your Bibles, if you will turn to Psalms 19 and be able to follow along as we look at the passage this morning. It's a beautiful psalm. I know it by heart. It's one of my favorite ones, but if you read different translations, you might not know it by heart. So I'm going to be careful to follow along, at least beginning with the first four verses. I'm not going to read all of them because uh, we'll get to them as we look at the message this morning. And I want to read at least the first few verses of Psalm 19. And beginning in verse 1, here is what God has to say to us about speaking to us. There's going to be three ways we're going to look at this morning that God speaks to us. One is, of course, the book of nature, nature's book. And then there's another way he speaks to us, and that's through the good book. What's the good book? The Bible. And then there's another way he speaks to us, and that is man or mankind. You are a book read by everyone else. We're going to look at those, but let me just look at the first four verses. It says, the heavens declare the glories of God. The skies proclaim or declare Or I'll read it in this translation. The firmament showeth his handiwork. That's in the King James Version, but I'm going to read the NIV Version. How's that? How many have the NIV Bible here? You have it on the screen in front of you. So the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they reveal knowledge. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes into all the earth. Their words to the ends of the world. Father, would you bring glory and honor to your name this morning as your name is proclaimed. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, there are a lot of nonverbal ways that we communicate in this world. And I was trying to think back to some of the ways we communicate, and I thought about how many remember the Morse code. And if you don't know how that works, just turn on some of the old Westerns. But there are other ways that um, we speak to one another. Uh, What about facial expressions? You look at me, and I'm looking at you. Some of you got your guys half, your eyes are half closed, and you'll tell me afterwards, preacher, I, I was just meditating on what you were saying. No, you were sleeping. Some have gestures, pointing, drawing, touch, eye contact. You know, animals speak to us, right? I bring my dog to work every morning. It speaks to me in the car. It's really nervous being around me. I don't know what it is. You know, ladies feel being nervous around me. I don't know why. Then they wag their tails. They speak. You know, they they, they communicate to us. Dolphins. I mean, dolphins. Did you know dolphins communicate? And I can communicate with dolphins. I've, I've gone to the Miami Museum and literally done that. And the dolphins come up to me and all the kids come up to me. You speak their language, huh? 
chimpanzees, gorillas, they all speak. The research showed that these species, that they understand multiple signals and produce them to communicate with humans, a lot of animals. So, you know, just because God hasn't audibly spoken to you, does it mean he hasn't spoken to you? What about good spirits and evil spirits? The Bible says bad spirits is a no-no, but we know when Saul tried to contact the dead, he did and conjured up Samuel, and he wasn't supposed to do that. What about visions? God's speaking to us in visions. He does say that in dreams. And then what about theophanies? Does anybody know what a theophany is and a Christophany is? At least in the Old Testament, when God showed up in the Old Testament and people recognized him, and Abraham recognized God. And then there was a Christophanies in the Old Testament where Christ showed up in the Old Testament and communicated to mankind. Also, C.S. Lewis, the great Christian author, said this psalm, Psalm 19, is one of the greatest poems in the Psalter and one of the greatest lyrics in the world. Without revealing himself plainly to us, God plainly communicates to us through the book of nature, the book called the Bible, and man's life, a book read by other men. So let's look, first of all, at the book of nature. God speaks in the skies. Well, you don't think the, guys, the, the skies speak at all? Then I want to ask you a question then why do over 70 million people read their horoscope? Do you, do you, do you know that 90% of people know their zodiac sign? How many know their zodiac sign? How many won't admit it? <laughs> I know mine. Mine's Aquarius. Well, let's look at, I, I happen to, look at one of the zodiac signs this morning, and I think mine read this way. I'm, 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 a, I'm a, you know, I'm Aquarius. They're the best, right? You may have on your mind, it says, this is, what, this is what my daily reading was. And by the way, these people go every day, 70 million people every day get their reading and their directions, not from the Word of God, not from the news, but from their horoscope. Today, you may have your mind set on some big plans that you have been working on for some time now. The problem is that today there is going to be some conflict with something or someone with a large ego who suddenly wants a piece of the pie. Either that or this person wants to burst your bubble. Don't give up hope on your dreams. Realize that this opposition it's just part of the adventure. Oh, I can't wait to tomorrow to see what my, what my daily reading is. So, but the bottom line is this. People know that there are messages in the sky. It is real. I think one other one for December was, you could develop a stomach ache if you tried to sort out all the confused issues of the day. Capricorn. How many of you are Capricorns in here? Okay, that's, that's your daily reading. Dr. D. James Kennedy, how many know who he is? Dr. James, D. James Kennedy has written two books on this particular subject. 
the gospel in the stars, you might want to get it, and the real meaning of the zodiac. There is a message in the skies. He writes, the heavens declare the glory of God, says the psalmist. There exists in the writings, I'm quoting, of virtually all civilized nations, a description of the major stars in the heavens. Something which might be called the consolations of the zodiac or the signs of the zodiac, of which there are 12. If you go back in time to Rome or beyond that to Greece or beyond that to Egypt or to Persia or to Assyria or to Babylonia, regardless of how far back you go, there is a remarkable phenomenon. All nations have the same 12 signs representing the same 12 things placed in the same order. Archaeologists, historians, antiquarians have searched the dualist libraries uncovering the oldest tabs, he quotes, ciphered the most difficult hieroglyphics and have failed to discover how it is that in nations all over the world the same signs exist. Dr. Kennedy explains that the real meaning of the Zodiac was to reveal God's plan of salvation in Christ. Meanwhile, he also denounces using horoscopes. The stars point to the creator. So we know that the skies do speak. It is a book read by men. So a greater revelation, more credible than D. James Kennedy says there that there is a message in the skies that would be King David led by the Holy Spirit. Notice in verse 1 again, it says, the heavens declare the glories of God. You see, all creation declares his glory, but not all people will see his glory of the ocean, of the mountains. Those who are by the oceans want to live in the mountains, and those who are in the mountains want to live by the ocean. Some of them will never see all that glory. Some will not see the beautiful forest that God has laid out. But everyone can see the sky. So the heavens speak forth the praises of God to everyone on earth. They reveal God's glory. They also reveal his works in verse 1b. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Wow, I don't know about you, but above the revelation of Christ coming to my life, I love to look in the skies because I see his handiwork. I pointed it out to my grandchildren as we were passing a football around in my backyard last night. We stopped and we saw the Goodyear blimp. I thought, that's cool. Man made that. But I want you to look past that. Look, look at that moon just hanging out there in the middle of nowhere, just hanging around. How, how is it supported? And they were brainiacs. They said, by gravity. How come it doesn't? Gravity. They knew the answers. They're pretty sharp. But I love to look into the skies and see God's handiwork. If great buildings and bridges show the skills of workers and designers, how much more does the earth show the skill and wisdom of the great creator God? 
Now, isn't it amazing, evolutionists, I won't spend much time on this, but isn't it amazing, they have spent billions and billions and billions of dollars trying to find out how this world began, and they have spent hours and billions of hours on teachers and philosophers and, and preachers even that believe in evolution. Wow. Which is easier to believe, that we all came from two rocks or two human beings? Which one's easier? I'd rather pick that we came from two people. You see, Romans 1 teaches us that we are without excuse about the revelation that God has given to us in the skies, that it speaks volumes. Uh, it's a book read by men when he teaches us in Romans 1, the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven, why? Against all the godlessness and the wickedness of people, evolutionists, who suppress the truth. They don't want to teach it in the schools at all. They don't want anybody to know it. They don't want you to know there's a God. They suppress this truth because it says, since what may be made known about God is what? Plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. How? Being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. God's handiwork declares that he exists. So the guys, the skies speak about his glory. It speaks about his handiwork. It also speaks about the regularity of God. The skies speak regularly about God. Not just, you know, sometimes we read in, read in the scripture where God spoke to people in the Old Testament, in the Mosaic era, and the Elijah, Elisha era, and then in the Jesus and Apostles era. We feel like he doesn't really speak to us today. But really, God is teaching us through the nature's book in the sky that he is constantly speaking to us. Notice verse 2. It says, day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night. Many of us look at revelation of God as if it was in the past. Yes, some of it is, but some of it is still future. But the guy, skies speak of continuation of daily revelation. Whereas the sun is seen for a few hours a day and the night lasts a few hours, the sky's glory and revelation are continually. The glory, the work continue to pour out information, knowledge about our God. When we look into the skies, his glory, his handiwork, it's continual. And then what about the sky's reach is vast? Notice in verse 3 and 4 in Psalm 19. They have no speech. They use no words. No sound is heard from them. Yet their voice goes into all the earth, their words, to the end of the world. Notice there is no language barrier. The great communication about God spoken by the creation covers all languages and all lands. No one 
has an excuse. You might say, well, what about people over in Africa or people over in China? Well, this debunks the myth that God does not speak to everyone because he breaks down all the language barriers and he speaks to all his creation. We have a ministry here in Fort Lauderdale called One Hope. They, they translate biblical children's material into many languages and many youth material into all the languages. They, more than 1.9 billion children and youth have been reached with a relevant gospel message because of their work. With the help of their partners, One Hope plans to reach one or 138 million children and youth in 154 countries around the world this year. Watch how God's word has changed the lives of children and youth around the world by reading their stuff. But listen, the book of nature in the sky reaches every language. Over six billion people in the world who have no money, who have no written material, who have no messenger. He speaks it all over the world. You want to know God? Lift. I always like to lay down on my back in the hill in the country where there's no lights around, where man hasn't polluted. See, he, he can't pollute. No, no matter what these environmentalists say, they aren't going to pollute the galaxies that are constantly and constantly, constantly, constantly expanding. That's what the word tells us. And I love to lay on my back and look up into the skies. Man has no control above the trees. God, well, he controls below the trees too. We think we control things, but we really don't. And you look up in the heavens and they declare, he lives. He lives. And by the way, there's no limitation. In verse 4, notice there's no limitation. Their voice goes out into all the earth, the words to the ends of the world. For thousands of years, the literal message of God and of Jesus was slow and limited to getting to all the people of the world. Not so with the gospel in the sky. God speaks to you and me that he exists and that he loves you and that he cares for you by giving you the warmth of the sun and the rest at night. Will you praise him and worship him for his revelation for the book of nature? Well, there's another book that he speaks to us through and I think Psalm 19 kind of makes a transition from the skies to the literal word. Let's look at verses 7 and 9. 7 through 9. It says, the law of the Lord. Now, it kind of makes that transition from the sky to something a little more specific. The law of the Lord is perfect. It's going to use a lot of different words to describe his word. The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statues of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. You see, God speaks through the book 
of nature. And the book called the Bible, God speaks through his word. Hebrews 4.12 reminds us why we as preachers should proclaim the word of God. Every message, every Bible study should be full of scripture because it is the word of God that does this. Are you ready? For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It explains what it does. It penetrates even to dividing the soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. The word of God. That's why here at Victory Life Church, we from this place here proclaim a, an abundance of his word because it has the ability to change lives. So the word of God, God speaks through his word. Notice the character of the book. It's described in three ways. Notice the different names that we just went through in verses 7 through 9. Many different names are given the Word of God, which are really descriptive of what the Word of God is. Notice it puts the word fear of God in that place. You see, the beginning of wisdom is to fear God. Notice the reason why people will not read it why they avoid it and why they don't want to hear it. Why? It brings them under conviction. That's why they don't want it read in schools. They know it will change lives. They, they want to dominate your children's minds. If you can't see that by now, you need to wake up and smell the coffee. And you need to go out and vote Tuesday. I'll stop there, okay? I'll keep it to a minimal. It is, guys, listen, it's not a matter of being on the winning team. If your team has to win, then you don't understand what's happening on the world, out in the world. You got to look out there and see what's happening with your eyes and turn off the news, run everything through the gridiron of scriptures, and then go out and find people that are like God. That's how you do it. Okay, let me get back to the scripture. Okay, the names, the names. The names, the names of the book, the character book describes what God says to us through the names. And then notice the nature of the book is spelled out in verse 7 through 9. Each name comes with an attribute to describe the nature of the word plus the first attribute, which is a summary of the next six. Are you ready? Perfect. Notice Sure, right, pure, clean, true, righteous. Tell us the scriptures are a unique book, unlike any other in quality of writing and content and its effect upon men. Paul knew about this when he wrote Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, and he said this about the book, the good book which God speaks to you and me through. He said, all scripture, it's one of the first passages we learn when we go to college and seminary, all scripture is God-breathed. It is useful for teaching, for rebuking, for correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. 
It is not to make us wiser in how to make more money. It is not name it and claim it. It's not a prosperity gospel where people have taken the word of God and used it to their own advantage. And Paul warns us about such people. But this is the reason God gave us his word. All scripture is God-breathed. Someone has said, when you write books, you do so with perspiration. But when the word of God was written through men, it was done through inspiration. There is a big difference between perspiration, you can smell it, and then inspiration. Then notice the nutrition of the book. Yes, nutrition? Yes, notice in verse these verses. It says, no book is more nutritious to our spiritual lives. Notice verse 7. The converting of the soul. It talks about, in verse 7, the restoring. Notice it says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing the soul, in some translations it's called, the word of God will help restore the soul. Notice in verse 7b, it says, the statues of the Lord. They use all these words, and you almost have to go to the dictionary to look them up to find out the difference between all these words. So I did that for you. It's, it's, it, the, the statues kind of talk about the testimonies or the Ten Commandments or God's detailed instructions spelled out in verse 8. The precepts of the Lord are God's statutes. God's detailed instruction for everyday living. And when you read his word, they give joy to the heart when you read his word. If God's word doesn't bring joy to your heart, then you're probably lost. Because when you read the word of God, it's like a well springing up. It's like he told the woman at the well, hey, take and drink of this and you'll never thirst again. That's what God's word does. Notice in verse 8b, it talks about the commandments of the Lord are radiant. The commandments, what to do and not to do, helps lead you and me to a pure life. And it gives light to the eyes. It helps us know what God's will is. Notice in the scripture it teaches in Romans 12, 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, perfect will of God. You want to know what the will of God? Let his word transform your mind by reading his word and obeying the commandments that he's given us. Notice in verse 9, he talks about the fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. That is a, is a reverence, not the kind of fear you think somebody's going to beat you up, but it's a kind of fear of reverence that God has power. He has glory. He has strength. He has all knowledge. He's everywhere. And that leads to understanding that he is a good judge. Notice in verse 9, the decrees of the Lord are firm and all of them are righteous. Judgments, ordinances, or verdicts. Anytime God casts judgment upon you and me, it is done in righteousness. Well, these are the characteristics of the book that God speaks to us by. Then he goes a step further by comparing them, the, his book, by comparing them to two things. 
in verse, notice 10 and 11. God's book. He says, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. So he compares his word to wealth. He basically says, it's more precious than money. You see, the value of the word exceeds gold. Yet our educational system will not allow the word to be taught in our schools. It tells you the value that they put on the word of God. Zero. They put little or no value on this good book. The world, all they care about is respect, friendship, and trust. But we value God's word. God's word is compared to money and then pleasure. Notice in verse 10, he said, they are sweeter, God's word, is sweeter than honey from the honeycomb. The word of God can bring greater pleasure than the pleasures of our senses. Only a spiritual mind can grasp this truth. Only a spiritual person can understand this, that God's word is sweeter than a taste and see that the Lord, he is good. Well, God speaks to us. You want him to speak to you? Then just begin to look up into the sky and you'll begin to fellowship with the creator. I love to look around and see things that people make. I'm impressed and, and intoxicated by some of the things that man has been able to do. But none better than looking up in the sky and see what our God has done. And then we read the word. Oh, you can't get enough of that sugar, Chris. Sugar, Chris. I love God's word. Remember that commercial? Can't get enough of that sugar, Chris. How many remember? That's an old commercial. You're telling your age, okay, it was a good commercial. You just can't get enough of God's word. We love it. I love Listen, your diet should always include a diet of his word. One more place he speaks to this morning and then we'll end. He speaks through nature, the book of nature. He speaks through the good book, the Bible. He speaks to you. See, if you want God to speak to you, quit asking him to speak to you the way you want him to. It's just the way God makes himself known. I can't help it, but that's the way. We'd like to be right there with him, but he said no flesh can be in his presence and live. So remember that. And now look at the ways he is speaking to you and me through the skies, through his book, but he's speaking through you. You kind of see that transition in Psalms 19 when he has our attention on the sky and then he has our attention on the word and then it transfers to man. Notice in verse 11. By them, these books, by them your servant is warned. In keeping them there is great reward. But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins that they may not rule over me. Then I will be blameless and innocent of the tra great transgression. Most theologians believe he goes to this passage and it's about the soul. It's about the man. It's about God speaking through man. You don't believe that? Then I want you I want to draw your attention to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. That you are a book. That you are a letter. That other people are reading. Here's what it says to us. And this letter is spoken four times in this passage. The only letter 
Paul saying to the church at Corinth, the only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written on our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink. Another way that God is speaking to you through nature, through his word, but through your life. But with the spirit of the living God, it is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. You see, if this church is to grow, not for our sake, for Jacob and I's sake, not so that we can double in size and have a couple services next year, but because people are being added into the kingdom of God because of the way that you are living, that the people around you will want to know why you're so different. When is the last time someone has walked up to you and said, I've been watching you. We said this. I know, I know you like, I know, I know you, Eddie, like the back of my hand, like our book, right? You've heard that said before, that saying before. People are watching you and me. I notice when I go play pickleball. How many play, people play pickleball now? You've got some more people starting to pick up the game. When I'm out there, I don't say what they say. I speak a foreign language. I don't cuss. They're all, every word's F, G, Jesus. I hear more about Jesus out there than I do in the church. <laughs> and so every, if I hit a bad ball or I hit someone in the head accidentally or I, I miss one, Ronnie Arthur, John Bremis, Ronnie, everybody knows all my names by now out there. I don't cuss. I just say Ronnie Arthur, John Bremis, Ronnie Arthur, John Bremis, Ronnie Arthur, John Bremis. I just say my names. I speak a different language. So they know right off the bat there's something. I think sometimes they try to get me to cuss. They should know there's a difference about you. What you do with your money. God said where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. Oh, I see these big yachts out there. There's nothing wrong with having a yacht. Hey, remember, I always have to say this as a pastor. It's not how much money you have. It's what you do with the money that you have. Amen. Abraham had a lot of money, and he gave it to God, a lot of to God. But some people never give God anything, and they have a lot, and you kind of look at them and go, oh, wow. Oh. Has anyone asked you what you do with your money? Why don't you have a boat? Or why don't you have five homes? We explain to them, hey, I have enough. I have enough. I give to God. I take care of my family, and I help those who need. When's the last time someone asked you? Why you act the way you do? Why you behave the way you do? Why do you go to church? You're a book that they're watching. I've told you this before. I was the first one, I believe, to get saved in my family of six boys. I didn't really have to say much. My brother visited my house in my first church, and he left. And he went home and got on his knees and asked Jesus in his heart. That's because of the glory of God, not because how oh, great. My mom, I just found this out. She's 91. I just visited her this past week. 91 years old. She said, I gave up because I thought I was going to hell because of you. 
because we had a terrible relationship. But I saw Jesus, what he did in you. If he can do that for you, he can do that for me. And she accepted Christ in her life. Many of you probably have that kind of testimony. Almost every one of my brothers had made a profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not because they saw all my flaws, but they saw the glory of God in your life or in my life. Are they, see, that's a natural way to add to the kingdom of God and see a church explode, but we don't want to see a church explode again for our sake, but because we're leading people to Christ, not because some pastors knew how to do some type of gim gimmicks and do some type of business practices to, and, and have such a great worship team, which we do. Hey, don't we have a great worship team? Praise God. Amen. But... Because of the glory of God is all over you when you go to the workplace. You don't act like everyone else. You don't go to the parties that they go to. You don't do the things that they do. You don't go to the movies that they go to. There's just something about you. God said, separate yourself. Come out from amongst them. I am holy. Be ye holy. That's what holy means. Separate yourself from the world. Now you got to dip. You got to dip in. You got to put one foot in and one foot out. You know, one foot in. You got to do that. Shake it all about. I won't do that part, but you got to put one foot in and one foot out, right? Get in the world and get out. Get in the world and get out so that you can be a witness to the world. Here's the difference. You remember the demonic man that Want, here's what Jesus wants us to do. Remember, Jesus cast out the demons of this demonic man that would terrorize the neighborhood. And Jesus was leaving. He wanted to go with Jesus so bad, just like you and me want to be with Jesus. And, and sometimes you're in a, in, a, in a sermon or you're reading, a, you're in, you're in a, 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 a book of the Bible and you're just hanging out with God and you don't want to leave that spot. You guys know what I mean. And this demonic man didn't want to, didn't want to leave Jesus. And, but Jesus did say this to him. When he said, can I follow you? And in Mark 5, he said, go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and be began to tell in Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all the people were amazed. You are a book read by men. What kind of book are they reading? Do they have to scratch their head and say, they say this, but they do this. If we will get serious about living holy lives for our God, the world does not have the answers. The world is going into turmoil. The wickedness is being exposed greater than ever. The mask have come off. And so you're going to shine like a bright light. And by the way, with it will come persecution. Jesus said, if they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. I just wanted to add this one other scripture. There's really another way that God spoke to us that's not in Psalm 19. And there's many ways, but I had to end with this one. Hebrews 1, 1 through 4, our Savior. He has spoken to us through a man that walked on this planet. And he made such a profound impact that we're still talking about him 2,000 years later. Who that be? The Savior. Here's what the scripture teaches us in Hebrews. In the past, God spoke to us in the skies. Yes, he spoke to us through prophets. As it says, he spoke to us, to our ancestors, to the prophets. And at many times in various places. 
in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son. Ah, message always needs to make sure it gets back to the son. Whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom also he made the universe. The son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being sustaining all things by his power or powerful word. That's a powerful word. After he provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. Praise God for the books that he's given us this morning. To the book of nature, the good book, and then the book of people. I love to see God in you. There's not, honestly, as Paul said, I want to know nothing but Christ in you. That's what I want to know first in you. I don't want to know about your flaws. You got them. You don't want to know about, about my flaws. I have them. Let's build a relationship on what we have in common, and that is Christ. And let's determine to make sure that the community that we live in, the place that we work, and that our children see Christ in you so that they can be converted. Would you stand at this time? And perhaps you're here today, maybe, maybe you've never really listened to God speaking to you in the skies and through his word and through someone else. But today, there is another way he speaks. And through the Spirit of God, He speaks to you to tell you the things I just told you, that they're true. And He will convict you of your sin. And He will tell you to put your belief in Jesus, Yeshua, the Savior of the world. And He said, if you will transfer your trust and believe that He is the Savior of the world and ask Him to forgive you of your sins, He will do that. He will save you. Transfer your trust, like transferring your trust from an airplane to a pilot that gets you from point A to point B. I'm not trusting that plane. I'm trusting the pilot because that pilot knows whether that plane's bad or not. Because his own life is in jeopardy. God is saying, transfer your trust to Jesus alone. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father. No man will get to heaven but one way, and that is through Jesus. You can claim that today. Will you do that in Jesus' name? Thanks so much for listening to this podcast. If this has blessed you, would you consider giving a financial gift to help bring this message to more people? You can do that at vlcministries.com slash give. You can also subscribe, rate, and share this podcast with your friends and family. Here's what we believe. Living God's way. Everywhere, every way, every day. We love you and God bless.